Betrayal is such a ground-shaking event, probably because it so deeply challenges your beliefs about someone incredibly significant in your life. And then that in turn challenges your beliefs about yourself. So kind of begs the question, well, what does the road forward after betrayal look like? Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody, this is episode 104, and we're going to be talking about how to heal and recover from betrayal. I think this is a journey that every couple ends up going through at one time or another. Yeah. Probably. I'm not saying every couple has to have an affair. No, but little things can be betrayals. Yeah, it can be as severe as an affair. But just those times we let each other down and don't follow through on something or forget or whatever. And we, we bring betrayal into our relationship. Mm-hmm. So today, if you're in this place as either the betrayer or betrayed, we trust that you'll definitely benefit from what we have in this episode today. Last week, we talked about how to fight the problem. So that was an episode about conflict how to fight the problem itself rather than fight each other over the problem. And that's a, a really key thing there. And there's some great insights in that. So make sure you check that one out. Also make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player so that you don't miss any of our shows. All right. Should we jump right in? Sure. So we're going to structure this around three stages of betrayal or recovery from marital betrayal that people go through. And these aren't boxes to check. No. But hopefully, if you can recognize that you're on this journey, it'll kind of normalize things a little bit for you. You'll be able to understand what's going on. And because I think a lot of what happens when we're in the experience of being betrayed is we're disorientated and lost, and it's hard to reach out to people and yeah, and so on. So I hope this gives yeah. you a little bit of an anchor point. Yeah. Okay, let's start with the definition of betrayal. And as usual, we have the nerdy <laughs> research-based one, which I enjoy. But this is actually, it's, it's a very uh, packed definition. So here it is. This is from uh, researchers in 2010. They define betrayal as the perceived violation of an implicit or explicit relationship relevant norm. Isn't that awesome? Oh, that's good. Like who's norm? <laughs> I'm not married to norm. <laughs> <laughs> well, why are we bringing norm into this? Okay. So basically, it's just saying that there's norms that we expect in our relationship. There's standards, yeah. things that should be relationship-relevant norms. And sometimes those are explicit, like we, we actually might say them in our, in our marriage vows to each other. Oh, okay. Yep. Sometimes they're explicit in that we talk about what we want to do in our marriage with regards to loyalty and certain things before we get married, mm -hmm. after we get married. And sometimes it's just like you should know, like everybody, nobody does that in a marriage. Kind of right. thing. Like they're, it's wrong. They're implicit. Mm -hmm. Like you, you get married so that, you know, I think sexual faithfulness is implicit in a marriage bond. Mm -hmm. And certainly if you're from a Christian faith background as we are, it is. Mm -hmm. And so when there's a perceived violation, that's betrayal. Right. If I feel you've broken one of these standards yeah. that yeah. I have in my head. Yeah. Now here's the thing is that the violation can be actual, but it can also be perceived. Like, and yeah. that's why I kind of like about the definition, even a actual violation is, I perceive that it's happened, right? Okay. It's not saying it's not real, like you don't buy me or you're still thinking about it. Well, it made sense until you said that last comment, like even an actual violation is perceived. 
Yeah, I'm not saying it's not real, but I'm just saying, yeah, I, I detect it. I perceive it. Right. Right. But there's also a level of perception where the way it looks, I've been betrayed. Like from the evidence that I have, it appears that I've been betrayed. Okay. But the other spouse may not have actually intentionally betrayed me. Okay. Do you think a spouse ever intentionally betrays their spouse? Yeah. Really? Yeah, like revenge affairs. Okay. Yeah. But not too often. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't think too many people get up and say, huh, I'm going to betray my spouse today. No. No. And so betrayal comes when, just to kind of expand this definition a little bit, because this leads us to our next, the next part of this. It's experienced when a spouse knowingly departs from the norms of decency and fairness that are assumed to govern a relationship, thereby causing harm. So it says knowingly departs. So that makes it sound pretty intentional. Or does it just mean they know what the norms are? Good question. Okay, so I quoted, uh, let me put it this way. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you got me thinking here. I, I'm quoting the researcher there, yep. but I, I still, I'm going to hold the point that it's knowingly and unknowingly. Okay. Okay. And can I give you a case in point? So this was an example from a a real life story. It was a therapy. It was a training video that I watched when I was doing my master's. Okay. Okay. So the wife had a miscarriage and the husband sort of got so focused on solving the problem and making sure she was okay and getting her to the hospital and into medical care that he, he actually abandoned her emotionally when she needed him the most Okay. in that okay. moment. And there was this most incredibly touching line that she had about there I am and I've got my little baby in a margarine container and you're not even available for me. You're not there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Was that a knowing betrayal? No. No, he was doing the best. Yeah. He thought. It wasn't what she needed. Yeah. But it was definitely a perceived violation of an expected relationship norm that you'll be there for me when it really, really hurts. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes me even sad remembering that. Mm Mm-hmm. And and that's what I hope is that the severity of this experience of betrayal though isn't kind of hidden in all this technical language mm-hmm. because even even inside of of marriage I think of you look like you're going to cry. <laughs> Just keep going. Okay. <laughs> Things like secrecy can do this too, right? So that's departing from a norm of decency. And and so these things come in and people feel betrayed and sometimes it's intentional, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's knowing, sometimes it's not. And what makes this harder is it's usually something that we don't want to discuss with our support network because mm-hmm. especially if it's embarrassing or we've violated a norm, it would be a betrayal for them too. So the couple often mm-hmm. has to struggle with this alone. They don't go to anybody. They can't. They feel like they can't go to anybody else. Yeah. Okay. So we had to take a quick break there because I triggered a memory of our miscarriage between our first and second child. So we had our moment. Yep. Wasn't um, betrayal, but it was sad. Yeah. Yeah. So back to betrayal, Caleb. Yes. Back to betrayal. So I missed the last few minutes, so you can just tell me where you're at. (laughs) Okay. Uh, What I I did is I kind of just brought us through to the end of the first section here. Okay. So I'm ready to talk about now um, I talked about how secrecy, Verlinda, I think I mentioned how secrecy, that's a departure from decency and fairness in a relationship. Okay. And so when you discover something that is secret in your spouse's life and that has been kept hidden, that's a betrayal. Okay. And that can be a very painful, traumatic experience. Yeah. Well, even talking to, you know, the wives of porn addicts, Yeah. it's the, it's the secrecy and the lying that 
is almost more harmful than the pornography itself. Yes. Yes. As a betrayal. Yeah. Yeah. So the question is, how can a marriage recover from something like this? Now, this is where I mentioned we have stages, okay? And, you know, no human being is as clean, lives their life in stages as cleanly as these. Right. So you're probably going to cycle in and out of these, but they are, I think, fairly distinct. And I hope that in mentioning them, it's not like you need to fit yourself in a bucket here, but you can understand or have some framework for understanding the process that you're going through. Mm-hmm. That's what I hope. Sorry. And I think too, if someone has just discovered a betrayal, yeah, it's going to be really hard and just sound like academic blather to talk about these stages that they need to go through and all. Yeah. Like they're just hurting yes. and it just hurts. Yes. You know, whereas if this is someone who listens to us every week and maybe a betrayal has happened in the past at some point and, and they can see... further away from it. Yeah, yeah. they can see the yeah. growth. Yeah. But if you've only just discovered it, like our hearts go out to you. That, yeah. that pain is hard. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of that pain, I mean, the first stage is called the impact stage okay. of recovery, mm-hmm. right? And that's where the affected spouse is really grappling with the effect of the betrayal on themselves and on the relationship. Mm-hmm. And so... Here, you know, it's typical that the betrayed spouse will realize that important assumptions about their marriage have been disrupted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they have to process these different assumptions, things like the belief that my spouse can be trusted, the belief that our relationship is safe, the belief that I can predict how my spouse will behave, mm-hmm. and the belief that I have reasonable control over this relationship. All of those beliefs have been violated. To some degree, either violated all the way to shattered. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so all of a sudden, it's like you can no longer trust all these assumptions that guide our our daily interactions or predict our future events. Like, you know, we're planning a vacation Mm. this summer. Can I go on a vacation with a person like this? Will we even be together? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So all these things are called into question, right? And that's why this is such a huge impact. Mm -hmm. And often during this stage the injured spouse will withdraw from the relationship to protect themselves. And that withdrawal can be looked like everything from give me space to go sleep in the living room. I don't want to see you to like, I'm leaving the house Mm -hmm. entirely. Mm -hmm. And I'm not quite sure how to address the next part, but you know that without wanting to take away anything from the importance of that need for space and the attempt to understand and the, and the need to protect yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, that withdrawal may not necessarily be a bad thing. It can be so pretty you're not scary. not taking it away from it at all. I guess no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Emphasizing it. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Like, Well, some people freak out on me because they think I'm encouraging separation or divorce. No. Right. Okay. I know you well enough to know that you're not encouraging that. Yeah. But I think that this just kind of can put into perspective how much they've hurt their spouse. Yes. Like, no, you don't deserve anything. Yes. I'll just calm down here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's the thing, though, is I think that that may be motivating for the betrayer Mm -hmm. to seek some proper help and recovery as they, because it really confronts them with the significance of what they've done. They need to see how much they've hurt their spouse. Yes. Like, that's a. Sorry. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) Just taking apart the desk. Fiddling as we're talking. (laughs) Yeah. Go on. But they, they need to, what did I just say? They need to see how much they've hurt their yes. spouse and yes. see the impact that their behavior has had. Yes. And the pain it's caused. And Yes, exactly. 
shall I just keep going here? Shall we no, move on? No, no, you're absolutely on the right track because I think like you don't know for some reason or whatever reason, like you kind of know in the back of your head that it's bad, but you don't really get in touch with how bad what you're doing is, whatever this betrayal is. Until you're confronted. Until you're confronted with the impact that mm-hmm. it has on your spouse and you mm-hmm. got to look that in the face and say, oh my goodness, like... I messed up. Big time. Yes. Mm-hmm. So as you say though, that can propel someone to get the help they need yes. when they see the impact or the significance. Yeah. yeah. So that's the impact stage. And it's kind of like, you know what? The impact is going to happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But there's two more stages and these may not kind of happen in the marriage. The first mm-hmm. one has to happen, but mm-hmm. depending what you choose to do, right? So to move forward, both spouses have to move through the next two stages of recovery from this betrayal in okay. order for the relationship to move forward, I should say. Oh, okay. 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 So stage two is called the meaning stage of recovery. And in the meaning stage of, of recovery, the injured spouse seeks to discover why the betrayal occurred in order to make the their their spouse's behavior more understandable and predictable. Okay. So just understanding the why and how we got here leads the person to that place where it's like, okay, now I can see why this happened and I know what we need to do differently in our marriage so that, that we don't get back here again. It's kind of a pain avoidance or... Okay. I don't think that this is not an easy stage. No. I don't think. No, no. Because how do you accept what they're saying as their why without like, I don't know, brushing them off or... Brushing them off. Becoming defensive or like, how do you get from the impact to making meaning of this? Yeah. And so there's a couple of things there. This is, it's definitely the trickiest part to navigate. Okay. Because any attempt by the betrayer to explain himself or herself will probably come across like defensiveness. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I guess what's not in this episode is the other part that I do in counseling, which is really helping through the previous stage, the impact for the, the depth of that to be expressed and explored so that the betrayer can see it. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So the the person who has been betrayed has had this really solid opportunity to say, this is how I've been hurt and has really, really, really had that acknowledged well by the betrayer. Okay. Okay. And then once that's done and acknowledged and they can see that and they can see that they've been acknowledged, then often folks are more ready to ask the question, okay, how did we get here? How did this happen to us? Okay. Yeah. And, and that's why this is the meaning stage of recovery. Now, often in this part, this is where the betrayed partner will cease withdrawing from the relationship and will begin to move towards the perpetrating or the betrayer. Okay. The betraying spouse, okay? Yeah. And amends and forgiveness might begin to happen here. And, and as I said, the hard part here is that explaining why often looks like defensiveness. And it's also hard because when you find out that some of the why ties back to the betrayer's own difficult experiences, it's hard not to go to a bitter sort of poor you position. Like it just doesn't, it may not seem like a good enough reason to you because you've been hurt so bad. Mm-hmm. Because the betrayed spouse gets the pain of the consequence, but is now being challenged to show empathy for how the betrayer got to a place where he or she could do this. Mm-hmm. That's tricky, right? Mm-hmm. And especially if you're part of the cause. Yeah, but the other person did the sin. Yeah. The wrong, right? Yeah. And that's that's really hard to kind of to navigate your way through mm-hmm. and to own your piece in it. Mm-hmm. 
But this meaning-making process is a vital component of recovering. And, and again, it's because when you pursue this why question, you want to establish predictability. What? Uh, that was really nerdy, wasn't it? When you're trying to understand how your marriage got to this place, you're, yeah. what you're, the work that you're trying to do there is if I know how we got here, then I know where we need to not go oh, ever again. Okay. We're in a better place to prevent it from happening again. Yeah. Understanding how we got here, that gives some predictability. Okay. So I, I know that, you know what, if we just kind of let things drift, we get too focused on the kids and not enough on each other as an example. And, and we just kind of going through life and we're not staying connected. It's predictable that I'm going to experience another betrayal. Okay. Right. Cause I, that's what happened. That's how we make sense of it. And so I can say to myself then, if, as long as I continue to work on this marriage with you and, you know, we need to be more aware and kind of checking in with ourselves as to how we're doing. Now I've established a new predictability because I'm creating resilience oh, in the marriage. So you've, that's, you've created some meaning. Yeah. The meaning of the meaning of the betrayal. Okay. Okay. Because the betrayed spouse wants to know if or how or when this might happen again. Remember the shock, yeah. surprise, secrecy piece, right? So I'm mm-hmm. trying to do away with all that by understanding it. Okay. Yeah. So they seek meaning. Now the third stage is called the moving on stage of recovery. And this is where the injured spouse reevaluates the relationship, makes a decision regarding whether or not they want to continue with it. Yeah. So this is part of this too. Now in here, the research is quick to point out that forgiveness and reconciliation is not the same thing. So if this is severe and the couple is split apart, the betrayed spouse can go through the process of forgiveness and can recover from the betrayal, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they will reconcile. Okay. 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 And and there's other researchers that weigh into the same thing saying that there's no guarantee that amends and forgiveness will necessarily yield successful betrayal resolution and the recovery of couple functioning. Like that they'll get their marriage back together. (laughs) 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 So even when forgiveness happens and the betraying spouse makes amends, they noted that sometimes couples just find they can't forget the incident or really put it behind them. That's what they're observing. Okay. And, and so this is kind of that it's a, this is a crisis stage too, right? Mm -hmm. Where couples have to decide, particularly the betrayed spouse, if they're going to stay together, kind of put things behind, not kind of, but definitely put things behind them and rebuild and recreate a new relationship. Now, this is not about denying in order to move on. Right. Or repressing. Yep. But the couple has to do this work of integrating what happened and has to give to that meaning and has to take responsibility. Each one of them have to take responsibility for their own part and role in the circumstances that made it possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? I think so. Okay. And so that's, and when they do that, then they can, they can move on as a couple. The moving on stage. Yeah. So those are the three stages. Now, just kind of looking at this, there's two key parts here at the end, right? One is King MNs and the part of the perpetrating or the betraying spouse. Yeah. And the other is offering forgiveness. So I just wanted to talk about those two for a couple moments. Okay. Now, although making amends and extending forgiveness are not a guarantee of reconciliation, they do make reconciliation and recovery from the betrayal more likely. Right. Fair enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, the research shows the importance of the perpetrator making amends and that creates an environment that promotes forgiveness. Seems reasonable enough, right? right? Yeah. And the resolution of the betrayal and increased relationship quality following the betrayal. Mm-hmm. So this is where you can start to really improve on your marriage. And I think this Rebuild. idea of making a... Sorry? 
to rebuild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This idea of making amends, it just means, and again, I'm using the researcher's definition here, but accepting responsibility for the act of the betrayal and offering genuine atonement for your actions. So it has to be sincere. The betrayer, when the betrayer, how do I want to put this? When the betrayer's attempts to make amends are perceived as insincere, mm-hmm. that's going to backfire. Yes. And so you can't be snaky or, or funny about this. It's going gonna, it's gonna to stop this forgiveness process. Like these have to be very, very sincere responses. Yeah. And it can't be like the brush off, like, oh, it was nothing. Shouldn't have done it. Won't do it again. It'll be okay. Yeah. No, that's not going to cut it. Yeah. So these these have to be very, very sincere. That's why you need to go through this making meaning stage. Like I think the guilty, the betrayer needs to go through that too and not just brush it off. Mm-hmm. They need to go stop and say, no. How did I get to How this did place? I get here? Where why was, did this happen? Yeah. I was willing to be a person that would betray mm-hmm. my spouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now related to this sort of whole topic of making amends, these researchers, they did three small studies in which they looked at married couples discussing an unresolved betrayal. And they compared that to dating couples discussing different betrayal incidents. And then they kind of looked at all these discussions that were folks were having and were looking at whether the betrayer was making amends and whether the victim was offering forgiveness and whether or not the betrayal actually got resolved. And what they found is that the, the quote-unquote victims or the betrayed spouse was more likely to forgive when the betrayer made amends. Okay? That's, yeah. It's not rocket science. Nope. And that the betrayal itself was more likely to be resolved when the betrayer made amends. So forgiveness was more likely to occur and the betrayal gets resolved. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so this is where it becomes, and, and people have a hard time doing this. But you I'm know amazed what? how much they struggle to take responsibility for what they did. Yeah. For their betrayal. But you know how hard it is even for people to say, I'm sorry? Yeah. Like yeah. we don't live in a society where you take responsibility for your actions and apologize. No. And I've seen people like, and they come up with, they, like for, they give you one minute of really good acknowledgement of the betrayal and the impact that it had. And then they say, but I'm like, no. Oh. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I get that both parties play a role, but there has to be this really honest conversation where you let go of your ability to, or your need to respond or to, to to have the other person share the blame and really, 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 really take ownership of your own junk. Right. Because no matter what was thrown at you, you are responsible for your actions. Without any caveats or buts. Yeah. So we want to, we want to help you with this part of making amends because this is so critical and we've got a worksheet for that. It's for the betrayer and it takes you through four key questions that you have to process to make sure you're doing your part to make things right and doing this well. It's it's pretty much a journaling exercise to to decipher these, but it's going to help you have this conversation in the way that you need to have it. Okay. So that it'll work to towards making amends. So it kind of works you through. Yeah. Okay. So you can get this worksheet by opening your browser to oyf.link slash 104 or by texting the word podcast to 9292 spouse. If you have to pay for text messages, you'll have to pay for those. Like usual, it is a U.S. number, but there are a few messages that go back and forth to get your email and name and so on. Once again, all you need to do is text the word podcast to 9292 spouse, or you can find this bonus on our website at oif.link slash 104. Just find the gray box with the orange button, click it. And again, you can sign up to get this worksheet. Now, the other side of this, Verlin, is the importance of the injured spouse offering forgiveness in return. And... Mm -hmm. Spouses who uh, offer amends 
and whose other spouse responds with forgiveness. This is from the research. They experience greater betrayal resolution and more positive relational outcomes than those who do not. That's what the research says. So it works better to extend amends and to respond with forgiveness for the relationship and for the resolution of the betrayal. Which kind of makes sense, I think. It helps you find closure and move on, right? Yeah. And this is this is biblical. It makes sense. And we're wired for this as human beings. So beyond the question though is like beyond speaking the words, I forgive you, what does forgiveness actually look like? And that that's a good question and it's a big subject. We get people that ask us this. Like, well, I think I've forgiven, yeah. but then, you know, it comes up again or yeah. how does, yeah. So just think through what we say here. So a couple ideas, forgiveness means to grant pardon or to cancel a debt or payment. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, canceling a debt or payment means you're not going to call on that again. Right. You can't call that loan in the future if you've just canceled the loan. Right. Okay. So it really is a letting go. And that's the same thing with a pardon. A pardon says... I'm not going to hold you to justice for this. I'm pardoning you. Right. You're no longer guilty. Isn't yeah. That what a pardon which, is? which means you can't, you can't unpardon that later okay. on the same crime that you just pardoned. Yeah. That doesn't mean you won't feel the hurt ever again. Right. But this is an, and in, in the Bible, when it talks about forgiveness and there's a Greek word, it means to send away or to, to loose, to let go kind of. Hmm. And that's kind of all tied into the same concept is I can't pull that back once it's gone. Yeah. But that forgiveness, you've got to remember, is for your own well-being. Right. Like your spouse might want it and your spouse might ask for it, but the real benefit of forgiveness is actually quite selfish. It, it benefits me because I let go of this weight. Right. I'm not going to carry it. Yeah. And, and just listen to this definition or this description as well. It's a, it's a willingness to abandon one's right to resentment. Okay. So mm-hmm. you're letting go of that. Condemnation and subtle revenge toward an offender who acts unjustly. And at the same time, you're going to foster the undeserved qualities of compassion, generosity, and even love towards him or her. Now, if you've that's just good. been betrayed, you're not ready for this. No. And this is, this is too much for you to swallow right now. That's okay. Bookmark this, come back to it in maybe even a couple months or longer. Yeah. If you need to. Yeah. What I hope you can take away from this is if you can take resentment, condemnation, and subtle revenge out and replace that with compassion, generosity, and even love. You can see the benefit for yourself. Right. As well as for your marriage, if you truly wish to recover it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So a question that we get asked yeah. is, you know, will my relationship ever be the same? Will, like, is it possible to have a good relationship after mm-hmm. such a betrayal? It is. Uh, but only if you really go through the meaning stage, I okay. think. Okay. And... Because that's the harder work. Of, no, well, of course, you have to, like the, the betraying spouse, you know, has to go through the, the part of owning it and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But as a couple, when you understand the meaning and you're like, okay, we got to make sure that in our relationship, we stay connected now so this doesn't come back. Then you could have a better relationship than you ever had before. Yeah, because you're taking, you're realizing what wasn't there and now you're making sure that it's going to be there. Okay. That's, and that's precisely why it often ends up stronger after than before. Hmm. Okay. And then just three little points at the end for individuals, when they've forgiven their spouse following a betrayal, the research again indicates that they usually share these three characteristics. Number one, they have a realistic, non-distorted, balanced view of the relationship. Often before it's somewhat idealized. Okay. Okay. Yep. They have a release from being controlled by what we call negative affect, just means like angry feelings, those negative emotions towards the perpetrating spouse. Okay. And they have a lessened desire to punish the other spouse, the 
betraying spouse. Right. So if you're wondering what it looks like, how do I know when I've forgiven? When these are gone or they're certainly coming back much less frequently, that's when you know you're well into this journey of forgiveness. Right. It's not just a one time, I forgive you. It's not a cognitive decision. It's an emotional journey. Oh, I like that. You do? Yeah. Oh, thanks. I just made that up. Wow. I need to write that down. Okay. So that's our episode on betrayal. I'll remember it if you want to write it down later. Okay. <laughs> Shall I pay attention? <laughs> Let's wrap up the recording. <laughs> okay. So we want to shout out a huge thank you to those who left us reviews on iTunes this week. Very helpful. Five mm-hmm. stars by Alien245. That's a great name. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, if you leave us a review, we'll make fun of your name too. <laughs> so please go and do that today. Oh, shush. <laughs> I'm just as guilty of that. Anyways, uh, let's read this seriously because yes. this is a real person um, and we understand why you use pseudonyms. We probably would too. This podcast has been a marriage saver. I only started listening recently, but I've listened to most of the episodes on my commute. The episodes are lovely and bring a great mix of thoughtfulness and research on the topics they cover. I love the dynamic between the hosts as they're entertaining and informative. Wow. Thank you for creating this podcast. Thanks, Alien. <laughs> that didn't sound right, did it? No. Yeah, no. Thank you for that review. We do appreciate it. And I just, I still can't understand how anybody would want to listen to us in the car. In the car? Or wanted to listen to us at all? <laughs> well, at all. But <laughs> That's just because we don't want to listen to ourselves. Yeah, I guess so. So thank you for the review. Yes. Now, if you want to get involved in this awesome mission to help save marriages through our podcast, we'd like to ask you to contribute to our crowdfunding campaign. We want to reach 5,000 marriages a week. And we can't do that without your help. For even $5 a month, you can help us move towards making that a reality. Please go to oif.link slash give to learn more about how you can help us reach more marriages. Once again, that URL is oif.link slash give. And we'd like to acknowledge you there as well when you've made your contribution. So please check that out. Next week. I don't know. What are we talking about next week? We're talking about, um, I just realized that I wrote this and it's not like very marketing-ish at all, but a very fundamental approach to communication, which is next week is just about making sure you communicate about the right things in the right way on a regular basis. Oh, does that seem okay? Yeah, that seems okay. I hope I didn't make it sound too dull, but what we're finding is that couples aren't having conversations about things that they need to talk about every day. Oh, they're talking about all the other stuff. Or they're not talking there. It's like you got to run Joey to the ball game. Well, you need to have more conversation than that. Right. So we're going to help you with that. Sounds good. Do you want to wrap up? Sure. That's all for today's episode. Again, as always, you can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 104. And remember, we're here to help build thriving, passionate marriages. So if this was helpful to you, we'd love it if you could help us spread the word and share this with others who would also be blessed by it. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.